This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's good! Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Welcome to the Action Network NBA Podcast Playoff Edition. Thanks for joining us. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joining me as always, Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. Raheem, how's it going? Life is is good. I mean, I'm not really happy about the way. Those- oh, oh, we're gonna get. Oh, we're gonna get there. But besides that, life is good. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to what happened last night. Brandon, how you hanging in? I mean, uh, we made it. We made it to the postseason. That is not the playoffs, but we're here. We've got basketball every night, every weekend for a very long time to come. So let's go. Yep, it's go time. Uh, Reminder, today's episode is brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Usually we start with our NBA marquee at this point, but in related news to what happened last night, we are actually going to start today with thanks for nothing. Good teams win, and great teams cover. But some teams do neither. This is Thanks for Nothing. And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to make it. Guys, all year long, uh, I in preseason, I bet the under on Hornets wins because... I looked at that roster and was like, are you kidding me with this? Like LaMelo can be great. And this roster is still trash. Like Gordon Hayward is your best player and you need like other supporting good players to around him for, to be successful at the Boston Celtics had Um, like it was a, a mishmash of like good promising young guys that are probably going to be role players. And then like veteran guys like Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller. And I think even Malik Monk qualifies as a, veteran at this point and i was just like i looked at that and was like no there's no way and instead like when hayward went down they were the fourth seed in the eastern conference with a real shot at at, like home court advantage and like it was really frustrating to me to see them just continuously when i was like how are they doing this this is such nonsense i would watch them and not really even understand it i'd be like this team is not good like how are they doing this there is a stretch in between where I, Raheem and I were on a bet stream together. I lost 10 of 11 bets involving the Charlotte Hornets this season. 10 of 11. That was my entire, but there was a stretch where I lost 10 of 11. And it wasn't like I just bet against them or I just bet on them. I bet them every other, like I bet every way. I tried to fade them in certain halves and quarters and games and spots and tried overs and unders. And I missed everything. And finally, I did a deep dive into like what makes a team a good playoff team. And a lot of it was built on the premise of you need defensive versatility and pull up shooting. And the Hornets ticked both of those boxes, fellas, ex- like in very clear terms. And I've talked about it on this podcast and I was excited. And I was like, this is actually a position where I think I can get good underdog value going into a postseason play. Hayward went down. Sure. That was really rough. They lost LaMelo. That really like hurt them for sure. I get it. 
And then we get to last night and they're facing a Pacers team that is absolutely just like unraveling and the, everyone hates the coach and Miles Turner is out. And then Karis LeVert goes out and they get housed, housed by 30. I will never thank any team for less than I am right now thanking the Charlotte Hornets for nothing. I never want to think about this team from this season ever again. It's not fair. It's not fair. We got to talk about the three-point shooting. What the hell? Like, not just with the Hornets, but with the Wizards. What in the world is going on with the three-point shooting for road teams? They were combined 15 for 61 yesterday. If both teams just shoot a normal percentage, we get two good games. Instead, we got two blowouts. So it's just, I never want to react to a small sample size, but I know some of these teams are starting to have fans, and I'm really starting to question if we got to start putting that, that bump on home court advantage again, because the, the shooting that we saw yesterday is just unbelievable. The final numbers aren't going to really illustrate it. I looked this up yesterday uh, mid game. Once all of my Hornets to make the playoff future started just absolutely disintegrating in my hands. The Pacers this season averaged 12 made threes per game. The Pacers hit 10. And in the first half, and that was like, it was really over by the first quarter when they hit seven, like that was it. Like the Hornets missed everything. The Pacers hit everything. Now, like I will say this, like other teams are getting back into that game and the the Hornets did not have the experience that they needed. Like they needed Hayward there to be like, settle down. We're going to get back into this. Let's get it back to 10 but we got to stay connected on defense. Instead, the Hornets basically were like, well, I guess we're just going to try and shoot our way back in. And like, they just kind of ran around. Like it was, it was very clear that team was like, oh, so uh, we're done. We're, we're done. We're just done. Okay. We're just going to play this out. And then we're one, two, three Cancun. I mean, it was like, that was a miserable way to end your season. If you were a fan, like that leaves you with a really bad taste in your mouth, Brandon. Yeah. It's uh, I, I sent you guys a tweet from shot quality on Twitter, shot underscore quality, that kind of grades each shot as they go up and what are the likelihoods of actually hitting. And, like, it was very clear just watching what is happening. Terry Rozier is getting good looks but can't hit anything. Thanks for nothing on that prop, Terry Rozier. Doug McDermott could have shot from, like, anywhere in the arena and drained it. So thanks for nothing, Doug McDermott. Shot quality said that the predictive score from last night would have been Pacers 129.4, Hornets to 126.9. That's a that, that's a one three-pointer difference in the game. The actual score was 144 to 117. Here's my question. In that game, Doug McDermott was raining fire. And may I remind you, gentlemen, once upon a time, my Chicago Bulls traded up the Gary Harris pick and the Yusuf Nurkic pitch pick for Doug McDermott. Did the Bulls win the Doug McDermott trade? I think we did it last night. I think it's I think it's in the books. <laughs> hey, I like how you managed to pivot this into your hatred for your own teams. We, we, we won the McDermott trade and we avoided the 10 seed blowout. We it's a win for the Bulls. It's a it's the best outcome we could have hoped for last night. Yeah, I mean, I, like I think that that's you know, 
I'm going to be very curious about the Spurs game tonight. If the 10th seed just gets annihilated in both games, do we take anything forward from that? Do we disregard this because of the COVID stuff? Like it's a, I think it's an interesting question. Last night made me question why we have a play-in game. Like maybe we should just let these, these guys go on vacation. <laughs> right? No, like that's part of it though. Is like, that really is part of it though, where, you know, the Hornets definitely looked like, oh, okay. You know, like I, I want to see how the Spurs do tonight because um, I have questions about, about their intensity. Like the Wizards, I just felt like, look, you know, Tatum did his thing and they couldn't hit threes. And like, they were still like hanging in that game. Like they didn't get annihilated, you know, cause like the Wizards are a professional team versus what the Hornets devolved into last night. Well, I think one of the things I will say this going forward, the Hornets are going to have to reevaluate a lot because like, no one stepped up. No one. No, like nobody was like playing with fire. Like there were guys like who were like laughing in the fourth quarter. I was like, your season's over. Like you battled to get into the play in and you're done. Like you're just going home. And they're just like, ah, like, I mean, it was a real I, that's a failure on, I think, on on coaching and internal leadership. And, like, again, I know that Hayward's supposed to be that guy, but, like, Hayward can't be that guy. Not only is Hayward not good enough to really be that guy, but I, the idea that, like, well, if, if Hayward was healthy, when's Hayward ever going to be healthy? So I'm very mad at the Hornets. I'm glad to yeah. never have to speak on, let alone bet on them ever again. Um, I, I will say, too, another takeaway from that game is, I mean, I already thought that this Lakers-Warriors game tonight was big. I think we're even still, even after watching that, I think we're underestimating how big this game is because one of these teams is going to be in a one-game elimination. And what happens when the Doug McDermott of the Grizzlies or the Spurs gets hot and comes out firing? Or, you know, like, my, my takeaway from yesterday is not the play-in tournament sucks. It's not these teams are awful. I mean, maybe to both of those. My takeaway is it's one game and things happen and shooting variance happens. And I think that we are not giving credit to the fact that the Lakers are Warriors. One of them is going to have to face an elimination game, a one game, and might actually miss. And I, I think that that's the play and takeaway, I think, is just that who knows? Anything can happen. You got one game, and we turned the NBA into March Madness. And it's even rougher, I think, with shooting variants. Like, I mean, shooting variants has been the plague of my existence because of the way that I think about basketball. Like, it just negates everything that I do. Like, when I try and, like, I, you know, I, I diagram, like, okay, how does the team perform versus, you know, X scheme? How, how does Y player do versus Z matchup? And it just doesn't matter if it's just like, no, nah, like, and look, Doug McDermott's a great shooter. Like, he's been a great shooter. He's been a plus player in this league. Like, he's been consistently a plus on the teams that he's played on. Like, Doug McDermott's a good player. I'm not surprised that Doug hit threes in this game. It's that the Pacers entire profile was a low three point shooting team that just started bombing. And like, I'm sitting there looking at Bjorkgren going, where, where the hell has this been, man? Like if you, had, if you had schemed them to play like this, the rest of the season, you're not in the playing game. You're that team from January and you're already like, you're probably the sixth seed over the heat. Like where the hell has this been? And like, that's just, that's just part of it, a part of it with the NBA, which is rough. I will ask this. Let's transition tonight. Um, we're going to touch on this real briefly because by the time that you listen to this podcast, it'll be just hours from tip off of Warriors Lakers, but we got to talk about it. We just, we got to talk about it. 
the Golden State Warriors at the L.A. Lakers. Um, I'm already locked in on Lakers. We talked about this on our Twitter spaces that we did on Monday. Make sure to follow Action Network HQ on Twitter to follow, find that. Um, I'm already locked in. I got Lakers minus four and a half. So I grabbed that line. I got Lakers minus four and a half at plus 100, actually. And so I grabbed that. Is it worth, Raheem, I, look, is it worth looking at potentially an alternate line of nine and a half on the favorite in both games? If our model is basically like, let's take a, take the things we talked about today. You, you mentioned like, what if the fans are just like too big a thing? Like this is actual home court again. And that's really messing with it. I like, I'm going to be honest with you. I like it. Um, okay. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I think we were on the bet cast. Um, somebody, I, I forget who was playing. Oh, the Suns were playing the jazz and I suggested doing something similarly. So it's just like, I think there's value to doing that when you feel like a game is going to be a blowout. And when you look at this Lakers team, like specifically the Lakers, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a full-strength team, we know this line is going to be around seven or eight against the Warriors. So you're kind of getting a discount. They opened the line at seven, and then they got pounded down, mostly based on how the Warriors were performing recently so if you take a, a minus nine and a half on the lakers i think you you have a good bet now with the grizzlies that scares me a little more the san antonio spurs at the memphis grizzlies this grizzlies team has just been inconsistent as far as closing out games i mean you know you're you're a grizzlies fan i mean they've had games against the clippers where the clippers are benching everybody the they're up 14 and they lose outright um, they've had games. They had a game against the Nuggets where they were up 14 with four minutes to go, had a lead in both overtimes and loss. So they're a team that I struggle to trust sometimes. But with the Lakers, I'm with you. So I just looked this up. Um, Grizzlies minus nine is plus 220 on alternate line on Bet MGM. Lakers minus nine and a half is plus 170 on Bet MGM. So that's, that's where you're getting it. I think the Lakers line, you're probably not getting value, right? Like you'd rather just go yeah. ahead and take. Like those two teams are the best of any of the teams in the plan. Like I think one of the issues is that like the Hornets without Hayward were so bad that we have to like downgrade them, right? And then the Wizards, I think, ran into a Celtics team that was like, no, we're 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 still good, we're just not great. That's kind of the difference. Brandon, what what are your thoughts on? I, you always like taking long shots, so what are your thoughts yeah. on the alternate line? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by the alternate line. Is where you're looking at the alt line, is there an even higher line for the Lakers? Is there like a 14 yes. and a half or something? What, 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 you can get, numbers? yeah, you can get minus 13 at plus 290. Yeah. So to me, I think, I think I, I like the idea of the Lakers long odds. I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Like, I think, I think the, the nine is not good. If you're going to go for Lakers blowout, like I can't be afraid of the Lakers blowing them out, but winning by 10, 11 or 12. Like I, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And I, and I think it makes sense to me is I think the Warriors genuinely are the better team maybe right now, but that doesn't matter in this matchup. In this matchup, you have this giant team of defenders that like is exactly what you would build to try to shut down Stephen Curry they're going to they're gonna just, like, get them off the ball as much as anyone can. They're going to absolutely destroy them on the boards. They're going to be at the free throw line all game. People are going to be complaining about the refs being in the Lakers' pocket, which they are, but they will also actually have earned all the free throws tonight 
in three games this season, the Lakers were plus 59 on the rebounds, plus 33 on free throws, and didn't even have Anthony Davis for two of those games. Um, I think the home road thing is huge. The Warriors were 25 and 11 at home and 14 and 22 on the road this season. Every one of those big late season wins the Warriors got, Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, twice, and Bucks, all were home games for the Warriors. And uh, I think the Anthony Davis is the Draymond cheat code. If they need to get to that and go like to the, the Lakers, quote unquote, small ball lineup and put him on Draymond and be able to switch everything. I just, it's very easy for me to close my eyes and imagine the game where the Lakers are up like 18 to 20 points and just coasting. And I think even too, because of the play in format, you know, the Warriors, whoever loses has to play again in two days and play an elimination game. And, and, the Warriors are tired. If the Lakers are just steamrolling and way up, it's going to make a lot of sense to just like take Steph out of there and put in the backups and, and just try again in a couple of days. So I've been on the Lakers on this. I have them at minus five. I like the alternate line, but I would play the more aggressive one. And yeah, if you're going to go for the blowout, I think you got to go for the big payday too and not, not go for an in-between stance on it. I'm expecting the Lakers to win this game. I just think that they're like they've been the better team. They've been, they are the better team. This Warriors team is really is really confusing in that it's like like Steph and Draymond that makes sense, sure, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, is JTA really this good? Is Jordan Poole really this good? Is Andrew Wiggins really this good? Um, don't answer that, Wolves fan. Don't don't answer that, Brandon. I know how you feel. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't have a good sense for how this team actually is. I don't seem to have a sense for like, you know, is, is it really just like Wiseman was that big a drag? Like here, here's, so here's something. Wiseman was basically minus 20 plus in all three of the matchups versus the Lakers this season. The one game, the Warriors went one, he was benched in the fourth quarter and they stormed back to take the lead to win. Like it literally was just Wiseman. Like, can can one poor kid, one 20-year-old really drag down a team this much to be the difference between a team being like a four seed and the seven? Is that possible? Not even a four seed. The number the numbers suggest that the Warriors would be potentially the one seed. Like the numbers are that drastic. It's it's not the difference of four to seven. It's the difference of like a one or a two seed to like the 12 seed. Like if we're gonna go by the numbers. Wiseman is like shooting on the other end of the court, trying to score on the other basket difference making on this team <laughs> and, and Kelly Oubre too. Kelly Oubre in the mix as well. So I don't know. It doesn't make any sense that one player can actively tank them that much, but we have a lot of numbers. It's not a small sample size at this point. So I, I, I agree. I don't know what to make of it either. It's very weird because we look at both of these teams and you see Steph and you see LeBron and you just think like, oh, yeah, well, that's a bucket. You know, like they're just going to score. And that's just not what the numbers say. Like the numbers say these are very good defensive teams that are like yeah. just trying to find a basket anytime that they can. I do think it's a problem for the Warriors that Steph Curry just did everything we just saw for the last few months, all of that. And they're still what, like 24th in offensive efficiency with that Steph Curry, like he can't possibly play any better than that. And they still were dreadful on offense. That seems problematic, especially against the number one defense. So 
it's a, I think it's a much bigger game than we're letting on tonight because the loser goes to elimination. You never know. We saw that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the winner, I think, has a far better chance of advancing into the playoffs. Like, this is not an elimination game tonight. To me, mm-hmm. it is kind of a actual contender elimination game tonight. The winner gets to play the Suns and then by far the best second-round matchup with Nuggets or Blazers. The loser has a much more daunting path. They go to Utah where they have, I think, the most fans of any team and the elevation advantage, and then they have to play Dallas or the Clippers. I think tonight whoever wins has a very solid path to the Western Conference Finals. I think whoever loses tonight is not a true contender to me anymore. I think that's the difference. I mean, I never thought the Warriors were a true contender anyway, but I, I just think they're a team that's going to push you because Steph Curry is that dangerous. Like almost you can look at them and the Boston Celtics almost in the same realm. I mean, I know the Celtics are playing the Nets, but Jason Tatum is good enough to cause you some problems. And I think it's the same thing with Steph Curry. Now, to be honest, um, when, when I look at this game, I think what stands out is the under. Like, this under is getting steamed down. It opened up 221 and a half. It's now down to 218 and a half. There's some 219s in the market. But I think the under is where it's at. Like, my model put this game at 217. I mean, you have the Lakers, who are the the best defense in the league. And then you have the Warriors, who are fifth in defensive rating. So, I think the points are going to come at a premium. I think the Lakers have a lot of length to where they can chase around Steph Curry and limit his threes and force other guys to beat him. And then more importantly, LeBron, he always slows down the pace in these games, in these playoff games. I know it's not the, technically the playoffs, but I'm handicapping this as, as if it's the playoffs. Now, when I look at this Warriors team, honestly, I kind of want them to face the Jazz because I think they're actually live in that matchup. A lot of people might disagree with me, but – you can look at what the Warriors have done, specifically Steph Curry, when he's playing Gobert. If he gets Gobert in space, he's going to be able to score at will. And we always talk about that drop coverage. You can't play drop coverage against Steph Curry. So I'm kind of hoping that the Lakers win this, this game, the Warriors win the next one, so I can pick my spots and get the, get the, the Warriors at a big money line dog on the road. Are you going to take them by game or are you going to take them on the series price? I'm thinking about game. And then I'm thinking like, you know, um, maybe a plus two and a half or something like that. Cause I, I, I don't see this being a series where the, they get swept or it's, it's four one. I think it's a, it's going to remind me of the Warriors and um, Spurs series from 2000 and what was that? 2013. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be something like that to where Steph Curry is just so good that, the jazz struggle to put them away. See, I feel like if you do that, you're going to get, this is a Western conference question, by the way, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll preview the Western conference on Friday. Um, I feel like if you do that though, I will say this, you're going to have to play, pay a lot of juice on the warriors plus two and a half. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like you're like, everyone's going to be on them to at least win two. Mm-hmm. And the, what they're, what they've been doing, what most of the books have done is they priced in those situations they priced it at basically like oh yeah you get the two and a half but we're making you pay 200 for it like yeah. we're gonna make you pay two to one so like i honestly wonder if maybe the best play is take the warriors either on the money line or against the spread in game one and then after the results of game one you can 
decide if you want it. Like it, the risk is that the Jazz win game one and then the Warriors win the series and you've missed your value. But, but, you know, it at least gives you the opportunity to see how the matchup looks. Like, all right, can the rest of the Warriors actually like give Steph a chance in the series? Right. So like that, that might be the thing. I still feel like you're after game one, you're going to be able to get a good, a good underdog price on the Warriors. Like they can't flip it. If the Warriors win game one versus the jazz, the Warriors will still not be favorites. You'll still get them as a plus dog. You will still get them as a plus dog with a one Oh lead. Like I could see that actually being the case. Like I, I think the, the books are going to have a hard time with the models moving that to Warriors being favored after game one. Like that's just, that's too much risk. So I wonder if that's maybe the play is bet the Warriors game one, evaluate it after game one. And if you still get the Warriors at a, at a plus price, go back in on the series price at a reduced number then. Mm-hmm. That no, makes that's sense. Just me. That's just me. Um, all right. We, this is actually the Eastern Conference playoff preview, which is why I was hesitant to talk, talk about this game. But Brandon Anderson was like, no, no, we got to talk about Warriors-Lakers. We got to talk about Warriors-Lakers. So there you go, Brandon. We talk about Warriors-Lakers. We're going to talk about Joe Ingles later, too. All right. Um, just to hit all the Brandon Anderson sweet spots. Brandon Anderson is a hater. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference. First up. The Atlanta Hawks at the New York Knicks. So on this, as we're going to do this, you basically have two angles you get to you get to act from. And you can talk about whether you're going to take it per game, if you're going to take it on a series price, whatever. But you had to have two different angles that you're going to give me on how to bet this series. Let's start with Brandon. Brandon, what are your two angles for Hawk for Hawks Knicks? So of all the Eastern series, coming into kind of my, my deep dive, my preparation for this, this was the series that I just had no feel for coming in. That <clears throat> you know, well, it's the one series that is a toss-up, and we've got three big favorites in the other. So I guess that's not a shocking stance. I am surprised that I came away not thinking that. I really like the Hawks in this series, and the reason that I like them is because of of what I think that the playoff rotations are going to do to this team. Uh, Look, I'm a Bulls and Wolves fan. I know Tom Thibodeau. I've seen the Tom Thibodeau thing. We know what happens is that they maximize all year in the regular season. They don't have another gear in the playoffs. We all know that. That's what happens. There's not extra minutes. There's not an extra gear. We have the best version of the Knicks already, and it's good. That's not that's not bad, but we have what they are. I think that, you know, like, like the one thing that the Knicks, I think, can do to really improve – what they've been doing is just to get rid of Alfred Payton. He's been down to like 15 minutes a game, get rid of the more 15. I, I'll be looking to play like a Derrick Rose over. I think that his, his points have gone up over the last like 20 games or so. So that's one potential like prop that I'll be watching or write about. Um, but as I thought about this game, I don't know necessarily where I put Derrick Rose in the hierarchy of players, but the whole point of the Hawks is that they've got Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, John Collins, Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari. That's five good players, like good NBA players. And Bogdan Bogdanovich especially has been on like an absolute torrid stretch since the start of April. Um, he, he moved in the starting lineup. He's been putting up 21-4-4 on 50-49-90 shooting in that stretch. And I think if you just toss the rosters out and said, okay, build a team – and we had a draft. The Hawks have five of the first six picks. 
like Julius Randle and five Hawks is who's going there. Maybe Derek Rose sneaks in before one of those guys just because you need another guard or something. But with Atlanta, the angle that I, that I can't get past is okay. The playoffs are all about shortening your rotation and, and more minutes and more to the guys that matter. The Hawks had all five of these guys missing time all season long, and now they're all there and they're all ready. Um, and what I like here, and, and I guess the, the angles, and I'll put both of them together, is you've got a Hawks team that I like better, but they're also the inexperienced team on the road to start out. And if you like the dog on the road to start out, you've got some opportunities. So my, my top position here is just Hawks at minus 1.5 in the series, which is plus 190 at bet MGM. I don't see the Hawks winning game seven in New York with their inexperience. That's not a spot that I want to be at. So if they're not going to win game seven, but they are going to win the series, then that covers me at the Hawks minus 1.5. And I like that much better than just basically taking the coin flip odds on the series and you get plus one nine. You're like doubling your odds on that. Um, I also like potentially much less. So like we talked about taking a hundred dollars and splitting up. I think I do like $80 on Hawks at minus 1.5 plus 190 Hawks to lose game one, but win the series is plus 400 at bet MGM. I don't hate that just because I, I feel like these playoffs are going to be a tough spot for Trey young even if the Hawks do win this series, then he has to go face Philadelphia. He's going to have like all this defense thrown at his scrawny little body, trying to hold up and hoist these threes off. I feel like I could see them losing game one on the road, raucous New York, you know, crowd, um, but then still come back to win the series. So that's a plus 400 to get that one. Uh, long shot out of my hundred dollars. I got five bucks on Bogdan Bogdanovich leading the scoring in the series at plus 5,000. He's averaging 21 a game. I think these games are going to be like low scoring, rock fighty, trying to figure things out. I like the Hawks. I just, I like the players. I like the way that the rotations are going to shorten. I didn't expect to like them this much. It's nice that you think Trey Young is going to allow anyone else on the Hawks to lead them in scoring. That's nice. Of you. <laughs> like that's the optimism about human nature is, is nice for me, Brandon. Um, series price, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned that, Brandon, but it's 110 either way. Like, this is basically, it's a pick em. Like, this series is a pick em, uh, at least about MGM. Uh, Raheem, what are your two angles, and what do you think? Um, I think there's some very interesting things about this this series. Um, the big thing, I mean, we talk about the job that Nate McMillan has done in Atlanta since he's taken over. Um, we talk about them firing, um, the Indiana Pacers firing McMillan, and one of the reasons why is his performance in the playoffs. I mean, his teams are up one in 11 in the last 12 playoff games, and he's 17 and 36 in the playoffs. He just got in out of the first round just once in nine times. Now, when I look at this matchup, I think the biggest thing is the return of DeAndre Hunter. He's going to be huge. I think he's a guy who can, you know, slow down um, Julius Randle, I mean, you could put him on a bigger guy. You can put him on a smaller guy. Like, he has to be their best player in order for them to win this series, at least in my opinion. I mean, we could talk about Trey Young. We could talk about um, Bogdanovich. He's shooting 44% from three. I think the pickup of Lou Williams is huge off the bench. But it's just Hunter's got to slow down Randall, And then also, who's going to be the guys who's going to step up around Randall? 
So this is this is really a tough series for me. I, I just for me, I'm if I had to bet anything, I would be betting this series to go seven. Like, and I, I know it's only plus two two hundred, but this is this is this is going to be a series that's that's just going to go back and forth. Like, I, I just this Knicks team has performed really well. Um, they're they're shooting the ball really well. The the defense is always going to be there. I just I don't trust either one of these teams to to really run away from run away with the series. I think you could even get a good bet on the Knicks plus one and a half. Um, I do think the Hawks are the better team, but I just I think it's a really close series. So I have a better angle for you than because I didn't like that that price either on to go seven at mm-hmm. plus one seventy five. Um, here's why you gotta shop around, okay? Mm-hmm. Knicks 4-3 is plus 450. Okay. Mm. Hawks 4-3 is plus 450. Ah, uh, yeah. You just you just bet it both ways. Yeah. If you it, now the, the risk there is like obviously like if this doesn't go seven, you're you're out double, right? Like that's yeah. that's the problem. But um, you know, well, like I said, we 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 bandied about the idea of going if you got a hundred dollars about on, on each series, you know, what do you come out with? This is where I would probably wind up is I would probably wind up putting at least like 80 of it on Hawks to win four, three Knicks to win four, three and going plus four fifty on both sides. And that winds up getting you profit either way. As long as you're like, this is why I, I like to do is if you take a central premise of mm-hmm. whatever it is you, you have going into a series like, you know, X team is going to hang, is going to keep close. So I'm looking for the best line under that, or this is, and I, I, I'm with you on going, this series going long. The biggest reason I like the series to go long is the inexperience factor. Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, all those guys new to the playoffs, all of them. Like who's your playoff veteran on the Hawks? Lou Williams, Clint Capella, Rondo. Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. But that's it. Like they don't have any, they have no, like they have no star power. No starters are legit. Like you could trust these guys in a playoff series. They know what they're doing. Like Clint's the closest thing to it from his battles with the Rockets. Right. And I don't feel like Clint is like out there in front and going to be like, you know, telling Trey how to handle stuff. Like Trey's going to have to figure this out on his own on the Knicks side. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, right? Quickly. Like, the veterans are Taj Gibson, Derek Rose. Noel. I guess. How many series <laughs> has Nerlens been in? Alex, Alex Burt. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you're proving my point one. Yeah. We're, we're, we're digging at the bottom of the Yeah, barrel. so, like, like, I mean, Derek, Derek, I think, is an advantage there, right? Because Derek mm-hmm. has played in big playoff series, and he's won big playoff series. It's been some time, but he's done it. So I, I, that, to me, is, like, the big thing is if the Knicks win game one, they're going to be like, yeah, and then if the Hawks come back, they're going to be shook. But then if the Hawks lose game three, they're going to be sh- Like, I just feel like both these teams are very This is the to- perfect series for the zigzag theory. Yeah, the zigzag theory is is gonna profit all day in this series. Yeah, and it's like you're gonna have you're gonna have a game where Clint Capella gets in foul trouble, and yeah. then the Knicks are just totally just gonna dominate inside. <laughs> yeah, 
Now, if you don't want to, if you don't want to risk on the plus four fifty, can in case a series like you know, if it's if it's if, there are series that have been very close and should have gone seven and didn't. Uh, Thunder Spurs two thousand fourteen is one that comes to mind. Serge Ibaka got hurt. That should that should have been mm-hmm. um, a seven game series, but Ibaka got hurt. The Spurs got up, and then the Spurs won in overtime in OKC in Game Six. Like that series should have gone to seven, and it just didn't. Right. So, so if you don't like that, you can just pay the over five and a half at minus 200. Right. That's like, it's a steep money line price, but I can't see any way this series goes like four, one, either direction. I, I just can't, you know, like I can't see the Hawks going up for beating them four one. I don't see a gentleman sweeping either direction. So like over five and a half, maybe as like a starting position and then take, take your long shots on this to go seven and you're going to wind up, you can, you'll profit both ways, right? You'll get the over five and a half as a hedge to cover your losses on the other two. But then if one of them hits, you wind up in the green that, that to me, I think is, is the best approach to the series. Um, like tactically, I think the Hunter thing is really important. They play great defense with Deandre Hunter whenever he's been on the court. You know, I think, a lot of it is Tibbs' teams don't do as well because they can't hit a higher gear, but I have no idea what to expect from this Hawks team. Like we have Tibbs versus McMillan. This is a, <laughs> this is two. Like, it sucks that we got the series because this is two coaches that I want to fade in a playoff series and they yeah. don't get to fade either one because they're facing each other. And so uh, it's the Spider-Man meme, right? Yeah. They're, they're just like pointing at each other. So um, this is a hard one to figure out. I still think we're going to – I need more time, honestly, to figure this one out. Um, I'll have a write-up later in the week where I'll probably have, like, an actual series pick. But my my biggest position right now is expect this to go long because I don't think these teams are prepared to put the other away. Uh, let's move on to – The Miami Heat at the Milwaukee Bucks. Series price, Bucks minus 275, Heat plus 225 after the upset last year. The prevailing thought on this series, Raheem, is the Bucks are better this year. The Heat are not as good. This is not the same situation. You have made a lot of money by fading Mike Budenholzer's bucks. You've made a lot of money the last few playoffs by doing that. Where are you at going into the series with them? I like the bucks. I like it. Minus one and a half games. Raheem Palmer is falling in love. Actually, I think we both agree on this. Actually, I have have a write-up on this coming out today um, when our editor publishes all our write-ups. And I know you had the same thing. I mean... I like the I like the 280. I would take that as well. Um, land 280, um, but I also like the the minus one and a half games. I think it's like minus 140. I just when I look at the Bucks, this Bucks team, I think one of the things that always popped into my mind is that they didn't have enough paint. You look at every single one of these teams that's won the championship or you know been a contender, they suffer. You know. Jordan's Bulls, they had to go through the Pistons. Alonzo Wines Rockets, they lost in the 85 finals. Shaq Kobe's Lakers, they, they lost to the Jazz and the Spurs. LeBron, they, um, he suffered monumental losses with the Cavs. The Big Three, they lost to the, to the Mavericks. The Warriors, they, they, they lost to the Spurs and the Clippers in Game 7. And the Raptors were just a joke. You look at every one of these teams, and I think the Bucks have experienced that. And now they've upgraded their point guard for um, Drew Holiday in place of Eric Bledsoe. They still have one of the best players in the league and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I I think more importantly is that they're playing in a a Miami Heat team that still struggles offensively. 
They're 18th of offensive rating, scoring 110 points per 100 possessions. This, the shooting that made this team scary isn't there. Jay Crowder and Kelly Olenek are no longer on the team. Duncan Robinson is now a guy that guys account for. So last year when he shoot 45% from three, he was he was a new entity. Like now everybody knows how to cover this guy. Tyler Hero has regressed offensively. They're not going to be able to do some of the same stuff that they did last year against the Bucks. I really like the Bucks in this one. I think Holiday's going to be able to create. I think he's going to be able to defend better than Agba. So I'm taking the Bucks. I'm laying a minus one, minus two eighty, and I'm taking the, the minus one and a half games. Okay, so last fifteen games, right? Last fifteen, fifteen games, which is not an insignificant amount. The Miami Heat is number three in offensive rating. Right? I saw that number three in offensive rating. What do you think? <laughs> So a couple of weeks ago on our podcast, we drafted what is the matchup you hope to see in the playoffs that you want to bet on. And my number one pick was Bucks Heat. That was the that was the one I wanted, and we got it. And I am at the altar and I got cold feet, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's not it's it, here's the thing. I still I like the Bucks. I still feel pretty good about the Bucks winning the series. I don't love the numbers I'm getting. I don't love like the odds to the, the Bucks series line. I don't love it. The, the minus 280, I don't want to lay it for the Bucks. I, the, the minus 1.5, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about it, even though I like the Bucks. Because, look, we, we've said this so many times on this podcast. Here are the things that happened last year in the Bucks Heat playoff series. Drogic and Crowder and Olenek were hitting shots. Crowder was hitting like four threes a game and making almost half of them. Unsustainable shooting. And Crowder is gone. That's not going to happen this year. Giannis got hurt in the series and, and missed time. Giannis missed those free throws at the end of the one game. That that could have changed that was at game one, game two. I'm forgetting. But uh, near the end of one of those games, I could have thrown it. Also, no home court. There was no home court. We played in a bubble. The Bucks fought all year and were the best team and got home court and didn't have it. And they have home court now this year. And, and also, by the way, there was an NBA playoff interruption. We stopped the season led by the Bucks in the middle of their playoff series. That's a lot of stuff. That is just like a, just a ton of things that all happened to line up for the Heat to win the series in five. And also just... Things happen and and variance happens and that's why we like to watch sports because upsets happen. Is it- and I need to remind myself of all those things because it is terrifying to just lay the money on the Bucks, even though I'm pretty confident that they're the better team. And Raheem and I have been trashing the Heat the entire season because they're not very good. But it's still scary to put your money on the Bucks in that spot because we just watched the money like go up in flames a year ago for anyone that trusted the bucks in that spot. So my angle for this series, I I don't love, I I don't want to put my money on the series right now where I want to put my money. I want to save my money and I want to live bet underdogs in game and in the series, because Mm -hmm. I think that we've got major shooting variants coming in the series. The heat allow the second most three point attempts to opponents the Bucs allow the third most three-point attempts. We have two teams that are purposely designed to just allow opponents to fire away. And we just saw a year ago what happens when opponents can fire away on shooting. 
the Bucks have better shooters. Like if you if you go down the list, you got Middleton forty one percent, Holiday thirty nine percent, Dante Divincenzo thirty eight, Connaughton is thirty seven, Portis, Tucker, and Forbes are all thirty nine or above. Those are all good numbers. Miami, other than Duncan Robinson, we know he's good, but they've got Hero thirty six, None thirty eight, Ariza thirty five, Dragic thirty seven. So it's like, oh, okay, well, the Bucks are the better shooters. It's a shooting contest. Take the Bucks. But wait, if you get the Miami guys at like 36% and Milwaukee at like 39%, that is not a big difference. That's like one three-pointer for the entire game. You shoot 43s at 39% or 36%, and one team maybe made one more of them or maybe didn't. That's how this stuff works. So I, I want – to see, and we saw this in the bubble, especially a lot last year. I'm very curious, was it a bubble effect or is it an effect of the modern three-point shooting NBA? All those comebacks. We saw these like big double-digit deficits and comebacks. This is a series that I want to bet on those comebacks. Like I want to see a team down. We know the Heat aren't going to go away. We know the Heat aren't just going to roll over and be like, oh, you got us. Yeah, here I am, Jimmy Butler, you got me, you made some threes, and we're done. We're, we can't win this one. Like, they're going to keep firing. They're going to keep shooting. And either one of these teams can just get hot and make a ton of threes. So I want to save my money on this, and I want to live bet in-game and bet on underdogs to come back on, on like, big plus juice money lines. And I also want to save my money, and I think that the Bucks. I think a best case scenario for the Bucks is to be up 2-1 after three. I, I, and I, that's not saying a lot, I realize, but I don't think the Bucks are just going to figure out the heat and great, we did it. We got our home games, we figured them out and we're coasting the victory. So I think there's going to be a spot that if I like the Bucks and I do, I'm going to get them at a better number than what I can get right now. So I'm not betting on them now, even though I like them, but I want to bet uh, I want to bet them live, and and I'm willing to bet Miami live on just on shooting variance, and I think this is just going to be a shooting contest again, and that's scary. I'm staying away. This is one I just I can't bet on, and I, I hate not betting on playoffs series. It pains me, <laughs> but I can't bet on this one. Um, look, if Miami comes out in that first series, my, you know who I'm worried about? I'm worried about Trevor Ariza. I'm not even kidding. He's a 32% shooter this year, and I'm worried about Trevor Ariza being Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay Crowder led every single player in the second round of the playoffs last year in three-pointers made. Of all <laughs> players last season to play in the second round, despite the fact that the, that the Heat won 4-1, Jay Crowder made the most threes of any player, of any player in the playoffs in the second round. Jay Crowder. Uh, they covered Duncan Robinson well. The Bucks have shown a lot more defensive versatility this year. They've deployed zone. They can switch. They can blitz a little bit more. They can go small ball, which is what I think what they're probably going to do a lot more is they're going to put Tucker in and switch everything. They're going to start Giannis on Bam and put like Tucker on Butler and just be like, all right, we're just going to switch everything. And if you want to run Jimmy Butler, Bam, pick and roll, we're just going to switch that. And have fun with Giannis on, on Jimmy. That's probably better. It's more effective. Um, the heat, this, these, these playoffs are a great test of whether or not the, there, there's a lot of research that says that the teams don't get hot at the right time, that that just isn't a thing. 
It just, mm. it's not, it's, there's a lot more data that suggests that basically the way you start the season and the way you play in the middle of the season are more correlated with postseason success than the end of the season. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The Heat have played absolutely great basketball over the last month and a half. Like they have earned, they, they moved themselves up from being a play-in team. They could have been five if they'd really pushed the envelope. And instead they wound up, I think they were fine with six. I think they're comfortable in this matchup. I think they like this matchup. I just don't have a feel for it. Like, yes, the Bucs should win, but the Bucs should have won the last two seasons. Like, if we're just talking about, like, better, the argument for the Bucs is just, like, well, they're just a better team. Like, they're just way better. They're just, like, a better, yeah. better team. They, they've been the better team the last two years. They were a better team than the Raptors. Don't, don't start with me on this. Like, I don't on. believe it. I don't believe that. <laughs> you can talk all – you can say that all you want, man. But like the Bucks were the number one defense that played the fastest pace. The only team that ever, ever, ever other do that was the Golden State Warriors, and they had the top. Had the top I mean, that, that's true. Like, but I just I felt like net rating. I, who's the better team? It, it was the it was the Bucks. But I just, yeah. I didn't believe that they matched up as no, well. But with, that's the point. That's the point. Okay, I got I got I got what you saying. Okay, right? Like, yeah. It's not. It's like it's like the Bucks were the better team, but the Raptors matched up. Yeah. And that, that's really what it comes down to. And that's what happened two years in a row. The Bucs were the better team last year. The Heat matched up. I agree with, with what Brandon said about, like, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, yeah, I don't want to make it about one player because, like, it was a collective thing. And, like, these issues were much more important. And I'm totally understanding and supportive of all those things. George Hill was literally like, we don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, George Hill was like, we don't want to be yeah. here. We shouldn't be here, you know, because of, because of what was going on. Um, after George Floyd. And, and by that, I mean, what's gone on in this country for 200 years. So 300 years. So like these things are all like, yeah, true. I, I can't, I just, I cannot trust Bud. I just can't do it. Like it's not even, even if he throws out like, Oh, we, we, we switched up coverages. All right. Well, what if Spo anticipates that and he counters you? Do I trust Bud to make another adjustment? If the Heat finds something that works, is Bud going to find an answer for it? Or is he just going to be like, well, no, we, we switched up coverages. It's like, that's not enough, man. You, gotta, you have to find a weak point and you have to attack it on both ends. And I don't trust him. So I'm staying away from the series entirely. I can't go in it. I can't. So <laughs> uh, I, I think the interesting case for me for the Bucs, if I was going to bet right now, I wouldn't bet on the series I think if, if I don't feel confident enough that the Bucs could win in four or five, and I do not, then I think that the better play is to wait for the right moment. Wait till they're 1-1 in the series and lost a home game. Wait till they're trailing in a game and going for a comeback, something like that. I'm intrigued by, I think they're at plus 900 to win the title right now. I'm intrigued by just the, the okay, look. Nikola Jokic has been the best player in the NBA this season. I think we agree with that. We all agree he's the MVP. We also all agree that the Nuggets aren't title contenders. So they're not, they're not really in the real picture of things. So just like thinking about the war of attrition, I don't know if I trust the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis and their health to hold up. I don't know if I trust the Nets and what happens with all of their guys and their health to hold up. I don't know that I trust the Sixers or the Jazz with matchup issues and just what their teams are. Like, Bud is from the pop tree. The whole pop thing was being a, it is still being a really good team that's good enough to win if the opportunity is there. Maybe that's what the Bucs are. They've been a really good team all these years. We just said that. Like, their net rating is high. All the things are good. 
they maybe haven't had that extra thing, that extra gear, or maybe that's not a thing. Maybe the playoffs come down to a little bit of randomness and the better team has lost a couple of times. There's a, there's a very real case to be made that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the playoffs. Like that Jokic doesn't really count toward the real, real playoffs when they get there. So Giannis by like, by all the advanced metrics and everything has for the last like two thirds of the season been at least second and ahead of any oh, of the other people here. Giannis so, is not the best player in the playoffs. I'm, I'm just saying he's been the best player in the regular season other than Jokic for the last like two thirds of the season. We haven't seen him. I mean, he can't, I he can't be the best player in the playoffs when you could just build a wall and stop him from going to the rim and then there's nothing that he can do. Right. And then also, I think when it comes to the Bucks championship aspirations, them not taking in the way that the Clippers did, it's pretty much eliminated them from winning the championship as far as I'm concerned. Like, to me, they're going to have to go through the Miami Heat, and everybody on this call is giving them re- the Miami Heat respect. Matt just said he wants to stay away from the series. You just got cold feet after telling us that you <laughs> wanted that matchup. So they got to go through the Miami Heat. Then they're going to have to go through the Brooklyn Nets. And then they're going to have to go through the Philadelphia 76ers just to get to the NBA Finals. And then they're going to have to beat whoever comes out of the West. This is the toughest role we've seen since the Oklahoma City Thunder had to beat a 67-win Spurs team and then go through the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors just to get to the Finals. You're going to make LeBron magically appear on the Zoom just to yell about how hard his road is. (laughs) LeBron James. Oldest starting player in the NBA. <laughs> what if you look at Dirk in 2011 when they went to the Brandon Roy's Blazers, um, Kobe's Lakers, Kevin Durant's oh, Thunder, and then the Miami Heat Big Three? That's what the the, the, the Bucks are going to have to do. And I'm not betting on them doing it. That's that's crazy talk to me. Like if they do that, then I'll crown them as like this is probably one of the greatest championships I've seen. But they're not doing that. I, I just I'll don't go ahead and warn you. If they get past the Heat, I'm probably betting Bucks versus the Heat Nets next next round. I'm not mad at that. I'm I'm not mad at that at all. I think that's a good bet. I'm probably doing it. I have to think about it. I I have to do the work. Expecting them to win these four series, that's a lot. I I think the argument to me is not that the Bucks are going to be the better team in all those four series. I think that you're right that, like, the road, the, the theoretical road is very hard. I think that my theory is, that I think the Bucks floor is much higher than most of these other teams. I yeah. think my theory is mm-hmm. it's a weird year. These teams are all injured. They're all in shambles after all these games. And what happens when inevitably some of these teams aren't what they're supposed to be. And okay. like we get to round two and the Nets are missing one of their three. And the Lakers didn't make the finals because Davis or, or LeBron didn't hold up. If the road isn't what we think the Bucks. The Bucs are never just going to be terrible. The Bucs are still going to be what the Bucs are. I mean, they could get hurt too, but like compared to the other teams, if they have the higher floor, I just give them a chance in all of these. And like by a war of attrition, the attrition has been happening all year. And I think mm-hmm. that the Bucs are well positioned to win a war of attrition. This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. 
If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Um, I have a massive futures position on every team, basically at this point. Um, I've been, <laughs> I've myself uh, a million ways from Sunday, based off of basically getting the best of the line, no matter what. And I'm doing my positions okay right now. Like I'm guaranteed a profit, and I'll increase my positions as we get things more solid solidified. But here's my question for you, Raheem: What's the bad matchup left for the Bucks? What team is the bad matchup for them? If it's not the Heat, what is it? Any three-point shoot. The thing is, mm-hmm. any team who can truly hit the three is a bad matchup. But it's like in the case of Brooklyn, they're a bad matchup for Brooklyn too. Yeah. See, here's the big thing is it's, <laughs> it's not about the three-point because, like, they contain – they really have. The last two seasons, they contained mm-hmm. Lowry from three, and they mm-hmm. contained – they did a good job on Kawhi, and they contained OG Ananobi. The guy that they left was Fred VanVleet. The nemesis. Fred Van Vliet. Like, that's who they were like, okay, if Van Vliet, who shot like 32% this season, goes off, we're going to lose. Yeah. They lost. And then last year, it was like, okay, if Jay Crowder, who's never been a, a solid three-point consistent shooter in the NBA, has the best second-round performance, we're going to lose. They lost. Right? So the question here is like, now you could say – with a net is Joe Harris. Like that's the guy, right? Is like yeah. you have to Kyrie, you have to respect Kyrie, you have to respect KD, you have to respect Harden. You can't guard all those guys and and Hart and Harris. But I, I'm with you. I don't think the Nets are a good matchup. Like I don't think the Nets are match up well with the Bucks. I think the Bucks match up well with the Nets. And so, like I look at it and I'm just like, I if they get past this Heat team, honestly, I know you're a KD truther. The Kevin Durant Revenge Tour. And I realized this working with you over the last two months. I'm not a KD trooper. To me, that's a series where KD is going to be taking a whole bunch of mid-range jump shots. trying to sh- He could shoot them out of that series. Yeah, they, I mean, look, the, the way to do it is just to switch on them. Like it's, that's why you get Tucker, is you just do what the Rockets did. You just switch everything. And you just let him you, – you let him – take as many isolations as he wants because he's not going to pass it to Joe Harris. He's not going to pass it to Kyrie. It's the like the more he, this man's passing is going to be so I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. The I'm, more he has the ball and the less Harton has the ball, the more they're in trouble. Okay. I'm, all right. We're, we'll, we'll get to that in the second round. Um, <laughs> let's wrap up with the, with the other two remaining series. We do not have as of this morning who the Sixers are going to play. Let's talk Nets Celtics very quickly. Hey, if Tatum scores fifty every single time, Brandon, can they be, can they can they beat the Nets? 
did, did he really score 50, though? It wasn't a regular season game or a playoff game. <laughs> so it, the game has been lost to history. It never happened. Um, yeah, look, I, I think that Boston is exactly who Brooklyn needed to play in the first round. I, I think it's it's the worst draw of the four for them, but it's exactly like the Nets' three stars have played eight games together. Eight together, ever. This series could go seven. There could be as many games against the Celtics in one series as they've played the entire season together. I don't think it's going to go seven. I, I like for Brooklyn's long-term hopes that they have to face a, a gritty team, a team that has been here before, a team that is going to show up every night and make them work for it. Like we've talked all season about, like we need to see them earn their medal and, and, and like and go through it and actually show up together. This is the series for that. And I, I'm confident in the Nets to win the series because they just have so much talent that, and, and it's, it's presumptively healthy and actually going to be there now. I, I can't believe – so the Nets finished the season with the number one offense. Guys, last year the Mavericks had – last year's Mavericks had the number one rated offense of all time. And this season I think six offenses beat that team. And despite that – and despite that, we got like a combined one season from Durant and Harden and missed a third of a season from Kyrie and never got these guys together. They were still the number one offense of all time. Like, I think we're underestimating just how good this offense is and how talented this team is. My position on the Nets in this series and in any series against any team is if these guys are healthy, I just think the Nets have a have a real chance to just like just steamroll through. I, I think the Nets have so much talent, and I so don't trust the remainder of the options that I think that the Nets are are going to plow through. But I think that there is the, the chance here. Like I think of this the 2008 Celtics um, in the first round when it it like and we were like, oh no, Kevin Garnett in the playoffs. Oh no, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. Like what's happening? And, and, like, it took them some time to find themselves, and then they pushed through. I, I think – I don't know what the lines are going to look like, but, you know, you can get uh, over five and a half games at plus 180, seven games at plus 600. I'm not particularly worried the Nets are going to lose this series. You know, if, if it goes to seven games, then anything can happen. Like, that's the whole thing of what we're saying. But I, I will like Boston to take a game or a couple of games and push them. I just think that that's good for the Nets in the long run. Um, I think this is this is the right matchup for their title hopes because it's going to force them to figure themselves out and like they're about to become a real boy over the next couple of weeks. Brandon last night in our Slack was basically like, "Do we even have to talk about the series? This is like such a joke. These teams are all terrible." And then he gives like a five minute soliloquy on <laughs> Nets Celtics just. Classic stuff from Brandon Anderson. Uh, I'm probably going to bet. I'll, I'll say the only thing I'm probably going to put on the series, I'm probably going to bet um, Nets 4-0 and Nets 4-1. That's probably what I'm going to bet. Is I mean, like, we don't have a lot on the series prices up yet. Bet MGM's light. The spread at another book is you can get Nets minus 2.5 and, and minus 220. I don't like that. I'd rather try and – I'd rather just bet the 4-1 and the 4-0. Um I just don't think the Celtics team is very, very good. I think that Wizards team was plucky and took it and found its spots late in the season versus a team that versus teams that were either you know banged up, resting, tanking, 
whatever it was and found their way into this playoff spot. Like I actually think they should have lost that Hornets game and maybe I don't get killed in that Pacers Hornets game yesterday. Um, but in general, I just don't think that like, I think that there's a, a gap between the Celtics, the wizards and the Celtics and then the wizards, Hornets and Pacers. But I don't think it's as wide as the gap between the Celtics and the Nets. And I just think that there's so much firepower and without Jalen Brown, you're not going to be able to defend those guys. You're just not. You're not going to be able to. And for the big three, I don't even think they need all three. I think as long as two are playing, they're fine. So I think this is a big Kyrie series. I think this is a big um, Kyrie narrative series with him getting revenge on the team that he left, that he asked to be traded to and then left. Um, I'm I'm just going to be on the nets here. I just, I think there are times when the other team is just not good enough regardless of the matchup. And I think this is one of them, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, honestly, I think you kind of got to go for one. I, I got to give Boston one game just because I, I I have too much respect for Tatum at this point. But it's just, I mean, we saw in the matchups this year, they had nothing for this team. So I don't even think we need to spend a lot of time on this one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sixers winner of Wizards Pacers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Look. If Miles Turner comes back, is he coming back? He didn't have surgery, right? Possible. Possible. If Miles Turner comes back and if Dougie Buckets can shoot, maybe a game? Like, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing is, like, whoever gets it, like, the Sixers are probably going to get, I'll say this the Sixers are, are going to get heavily juiced towards a sweep in that series. And I don't know if they'll sweep. I don't think they're. I honestly don't know if the Sixers are good enough to sweep the team. Like, are they focused enough? Are they just going to put the hammer down? Are they absolutely like? Can you see the Celtics or the Sixers just destroying a team? I I have a hard time seeing that. Right? If it's yeah. the Wizards, I'm staying away. I don't want any part of it because of like I can't trust the Sixers. I don't think in that series. I, I definitely can't trust the Wizards. I might go Sixers sweep if it's Wizards. But here's my only like. Here's what keeps bugging me about that game yesterday. The Pacers looked in that game yesterday like they did in January when we were talking about Demonis Sabonis as like an MVP candidate, when we were talking about how good the Pacers were and how, yeah, we were, I promise you, like the first like couple weeks of the season, it was like Demonis is playing out of his mind, right? Like we, yeah. that was like a, like, and it, you know, if you're like, well, it's too early. Okay. But like I start tracking this stuff from the beginning because those games matter too. All right. And Sabonis was in that conversation that they looked like that team. Like they looked like that team that was like there and was getting big wins every night and looked like a really, like they were like, man, Bjorkren's like come in and like done what they needed to do. Like we've revolutionized the offense. So if it's Pacers, hopefully it's Wizards and I just don't have to worry about it. I'll just bet like Sixers, I'll bet Sixers minus two and a half and be done and, and be done with it. Raheem? I think I'm too close to it. Like I, I struggle with the Sixers team so much just because I, I think they're they're one of those teams that I feel like could lose to anybody. And I don't think they're going to lose the series, but I just think – I'll give you an example. Um, I think it was the two, not, 2019. They lost game one to the Nets, the D'Angelo Russell Nets and Karis LeVert. And, yep. and then they had another game in that series where they probably should have lost. So yep. it, it probably could have went to a six-game series. And I think anybody who plays this Sixers team could get one or two games. 
yep. whether that's the Wizards or the, the Pacers. So I just I, I can't bet it. Brandon? Yeah, I'm taking the sweep. I don't think these teams are winning a game. That Can the Sixers just come out and dominate someone? Yes, if it's Joel Embiid. And this, these, either one of these teams, like he's going to see Goga Pitadze or Alex Len and Robin Lopez, and he's going to just be like, yes, here I am to be the MVP for four games and put up all the numbers and look like the player I think I am. Like he's going to do that for, for like one week of games and show up and, and look like he can. This is the exact sort of like, like the Sixers and Embiid are front runners and love to just like plow teams when it's in their favor. And I, yeah, I think it's a sweep. I, I don't have a five minute soliloquy. My, my over under is over under 1.5 games that I just don't even bother watching this series. And I'm taking the over, taking like a Sunday afternoon nap. It's not happening. Why do you think the Pacers are so bad? Because they're so bad. They, 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 they bleed points. Okay. If Miles Turner comes back, I'm going to look at it again. Look, I've I've somehow Malik loves Brandon writing about the Indiana Pacers. I've been writing about the Pacers like <laughs> week for weeks now. So I've been watching their games. I've been following. I've been writing about it. Without Miles Turner, overs in Pacers games I think are nineteen and six now this season. Their defense has gone to shambles. They can't guard anyone, and I don't trust Brogdon's hamstring to stay healthy. Lavert is out. Like let me ask you. Let me ask you. Playoffs. Hang on. I, I gotta ask you. All right. He's he, he's out. We'll see how long the protocol lasts. Sure. Right. Two things. One, Bjorkren's entire thing was like X's and O's. He boned it on player relations. That's clear. Right. Like the players did not like him. They played for him down the stretch. They got the ninth seed. They killed that Hornets team last night. If they were out on Bjorkren, they're they're tanking that game to get him the, out. Okay. Talent level. Let's like, let's really look at this, Brandon. Okay. Malcolm Brogdon, Damana Sabonis, Justin holiday. Like they have guys. They get Karis back. Karis. Like they have guys. I, I, I'm with you on Turner. Like if, the, if, they, if the Pacers announced miles Turner is going to miss the entire first round. Fine. My thing though, is with Bjorkren, his entire thing is X's and O's. Like it's entirely X's and O's. It's how do you like he comes from that Nick Nurse school, right? Right. And here, you know, I, I have to come back to it. You know, you talk about Embiid. Are they just not going to double him? Because if they double him, he's not going to look like the MVP. If they double him, he's got a twenty percent turnover rate. If you're turning him over with guys that can run up and down the floor, like I'm not saying they can win the series because I don't think they can. I'm saying that I don't feel I would not be I would not bet a sweep if it's Pacers. Wizards okay, but I'll also say this: like, look, Rolo's Rolo is big and tough and physical and is willing to like just bang with you. Like, I don't love that Rolo matchup because they'll send a double too. It's like, because people would be just be like, Oh, come on. You're going to take Rolo versus a beat. I'm like, no, I'm taking Rolo with a help defender versus a beat. But I also don't trust Scott Brooks to send the help. So like, that's why I would be the other way on it. But like, if the Pacers somehow win this game on Thursday, I'm going to have to look at it. If miles is out, then miles is out. And I think that's tough. 
right? Miles is really mm-hmm. important for them. But you mentioned like, well, they can't guard anybody. But Brandon, the Sixers don't run offense like everybody else in the league. Sure. Like they're not running pick and roll. It's not like unless you're worried about Shake Milton going off for 30 a game, which I personally am not. So here, here's here's the X and O's argument for in my, uh, why I think more than just but Philadelphia is better, which is, I guess, what my position was before. So here's the real position. The Pacers take a ton of twos. I know they didn't last night, but they're built to take a ton of twos, and they don't rebound. They are terrible on the glass. Yeah. Like, mm. they, so you have a team that wants to take a lot of twos against Embiid and, like, the best one of the best two-point defenses in the league that's going to crush them on the rebounds. The Pacers' defense is built to run you off the three-point line and funnel you to take a lot of twos, where Miles Turner is supposed to be there to stop you. So they want you to take a lot of twos, and you're playing the Sixers, who love that. The Wizards take the most twos in the entire league. Their defense allows the third most twos. Like, both of these teams want to play the game inside the arc. That is not the team you want to have if you're facing the Sixers. So, Mm -hmm. to me... I think the Wizards, so the Wizards lead the league in free throws made on the season, and Philadelphia follows a ton because they're so aggressive defensively. So to me, like just the Wizards got a billion free throws in a game and won a game, sure. Like I I think to me, the Wizards have maybe a better chance of winning a game just because you never know with all the free throws, both teams rely so much on them. But it's the whole thing is that both Indiana and, and Washington want this game to happen inside the arc. And if you want to play inside the arc, you want to play literally any other team in the league than Philadelphia. Like, we're just remove the three-point line and play 1950s basketball is what all three of these teams in this potential matchup want. And if that's the game that we're playing, then, like, I want the George Mikan on my team, not whatever's left on the other team. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll talk uh, Western Conference on Friday. We'll go through all those, and we'll get some uh, final prop bets for to close up, Raheem Palmer, what's your best bet for the Eastern Conference first round? I'm going with the Milwaukee Bucks. Minus one and a half games. Minus 280. All right. Brandon Anderson, what's your first round best bet? So I think I'm taking the Atlanta Hawks. Minus one and a half to win the series. I like the Hawks. I don't want them to win in seven. That's a minus one and a half. That's plus 190 at BetMGM. Uh, I will keep it simple with a over five and a half minus 200 for Hawks heat. That's my best bet for the first round of the NBA playoffs in the Eastern conference. We'll be back on Friday with another episode talking about the Western conference, getting you set for that. We will have all but one game set for that series. Uh, one series set rather, uh, make sure to follow the action network on Twitter, download the action network app today, get all of our plays, happy hunting in the playoffs. And we'll talk to you guys next time on the action network NBA podcast. We're finished talking.